Our message tonight is entitled, Living to Die and Dying to Live. Tonight we're going to learn from God's Word how to let our past truly be past. Friends, when you study the Bible, over and over again, you come to the realization that our God, the great God of the universe, is truly a God of new beginnings. You see, He is the one that makes wrongs right. He is the one that cleanses that which is filthy. He mends that which is torn. He fixes the things that are broken. He restores that which has been destroyed. He seeks and saves those who are lost. He truly is a God of new beginnings. And we see this picture of this God over and over again in the Word. In fact, one of the very first things the Bible tells us about God is that He is a God of new beginnings. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God did what? He created the heaven and the earth. He is a God of beginnings, but not just beginnings, new beginnings. You see, we learn according to previous nights that when God created this world, he did this after there was a great rebellion that took place in heaven where Lucifer and one-third of the angelic hosts began to rebel against the Lord. And as a result, they were expelled from their heavenly hold abode. They were kicked out of heaven. And as they were kicked out of heaven, it was then that God decided that it was now time for a new beginning. And so he created the heaven and the earth, and he created mankind in his own image. And God created man as a free moral agent. And man was free to choose his own destiny. It was a new beginning for God and a beginning for the human race. But as you follow the Bible narrative, you notice as time went on, the earth began to become corrupt and defiled as sin came into this world. And it became so corrupt that one day God decided that it was now time for another new beginning. And he sent a worldwide flood to cleanse the earth from the defilement that sin had brought The flood, brothers and sisters, was like a worldwide baptism. It was a time of cleansing and a time of renewal. You see, God wanted to give his people a new beginning. The human race, Adam and his family, a brand new start. To wash us of our wicked past and a chance to start afresh. And mankind was free to choose their own destiny. But as time went on, you continue to follow the Bible narrative. We find that man did not choose God. Man chose to live for themselves. And the earth once again became corrupt and defiled by sin. And so God saw that there was another, now was another time for another new beginning. So he called a man whose name was Abraham to leave Babylon, to leave Ur of the Chaldees, to separate from the wicked surroundings that he was living in. He was called out and God wanted him to be separate from the world because through him, he wanted to make a new beginning, a new nation of righteousness. And he gave to Abraham the rite of circumcision. The cutting away of the flesh outwardly was a symbol of what God wanted to do in the hearts of his people, the cutting away of the fleshy desires and carnality of our hearts as a symbol of a brand new beginning. And this nation was free to choose their own destiny. But unfortunately, for the the people of God, the chosen nation of Israel, unfortunately, they found themselves in the bitter 
bondage of Egypt. They were slaves to another man's will. And so God saw after a period of time that there was another time for another new beginning, a new beginning of freedom for his people. So God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses to set his people free from Egyptian bondage. He led them through the Red Sea. The what? What sea? And friends, upon going through the Red Sea, that Red Sea experience was a symbol of baptism, the apostle says. It was a symbol of cleansing and renewal. And friends, it was in the Red Sea that God cleansed them and freed them from their enemies. Because who perished in the Red Sea? The Egyptian armies. You see, that Red Sea was a symbol of baptism. And how God wants to not only cleanse us, but he wants to free us from the, from the enemy. Free us from the old taskmaster, the one that keeps us in the bondage of sin. And friends, that crossing of the Red Sea experience was a symbol of the red blood of Jesus that also gives cleansing and renewal and frees us from the bondage of sin. Can you say amen? The Red Sea was a symbol of the red blood that brings true freedom. And so God had a new beginning for his people. And now they were truly free to start over again. Friends, the human race, unfortunately, did not, did not make the right choices. They were free to choose their own destiny, but as you follow the Bible narrative, you'll notice that the people of God fell into apostasy and idolatry and adultery against their heavenly husband, the Lord, over and over again. You see, they were content to remain captives to Satan's will. They were slaves of their past. And they were held captive to their present. And it seemed like the future held no hope as God's people were smitten and scattered amongst the nations. And it seemed like the cycle of slavery continued to repeat over and over again. And it seemed like there, it would never be broken. Mankind was free to choose their own destiny. But over and over again, they made the wrong choices. And they were slaves of the mistakes of their past. And they continued to repeat it in their presence and after a long period of time god saw that it was now another time for another new beginning and so this time jesus christ would come into our world the light of the universe would step down into the darkness of our lives it was now time for christ to come to cleanse our past and guarantee freedom freedom for our future and so god himself came as a humble babe in Bethlehem. And friends, this was a radical new beginning for our world, but it was also a radical new beginning for God himself as he became flesh to dwell amongst his children. It was a new beginning, friends. Our God is a God of new beginnings. And finally, after 30 years in the carpenter shop, Jesus realized that his time on earth now was another new beginning as he went down to the River Jordan and was baptized to begin his public ministry. This was a be the beginning of a new ministry for Christ, not in making tables and chairs like he did in the carpenter shop, but he would now begin to make and create men back into the image of God. And friends, after Jesus was baptized, in beginning his public ministry, one of the first things we see Jesus doing is he goes into the temple, the earthly sanctuary, and he cleanses the temple. He does what? <clears throat> he cleanses the temple from the development of the money changers, thus freeing the people from the bondage of corruption that had crept within the church. And by doing so, Jesus was setting a precedent. He was making a statement. 
Now is a, a time, another time for a cleansing and a new beginning because you see, we are the temple of God. Isn't that right? And so the cleansing of that earthly temple was a symbol of the, what Jesus wanted to do in his earthly ministry. He came to cleanse the temple of, of mankind, the temple of our souls, from the defilement of sin, cleansing us of our past. And setting us free in our present and giving us and guaranteeing for us a glorious, bright and hopeful future. And then finally, after three and a half years of constant cleansing, Christ would finish his work on earth by dying once and for all on Calvary's cross, shedding the red blood that frees us from sin and cleanses us of the past and gives us a glorious future. But friends, the ending of the earthly ministry of Christ was simply a new beginning, not just for the human race but a, a new beginning of another part of Christ's ministry. Because you remember when Jesus said, it is finished, there was a great earthquake that took place. And the Bible tells us that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, signifying the end of the earthly ministry of Christ. And now Jesus would go to the throne and he would begin his heavenly ministry, a ministry of intercession and a ministry of special cleansing for us in the sanctuary in heaven above. And friends, this heavenly ministry of Christ, we studied before, what Jesus is doing right now for us in the most holy place would prepare the world, his children, you and I, for the final new beginning when Jesus comes the second time. When he comes to take us to our heavenly home. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, Jesus says, Behold, I make how much things new? I make all things new. God will create a new heavens and a new earth. It's the time when the former things are passed away and all things will become new. But friends, I want you to notice as we've gone through those examples in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we see that before every major new beginning, there was first a death or a discarding of the old in order to make way for the new. There is a what? A death or discarding of the old in order to make way for the new. And so we see, friends, that before God created this world and created Adam and Eve in our image, there was first a discarding of the rebellious angels in heaven, and it was their discarding, discarding them from heaven, their evicting from heaven that led to the creation of man. When you look upon when God recreated this world, he first had to destroy it with a flood in order to give the world and the human race a brand new beginning, the old passed away so that the new could come. When God called Abraham and wanted to make a new nation, a new beginning with a new nation, Abraham first had to cut off his former ties in Ur of the Chaldees, that's Babylon. He had to discard with his former life in order to begin a brand new life and a brand new plan that the Lord has placed upon him. And so too with the nation of Israel as they came out of Egyptian bondage. In order for them to have a new start, an, another nation, the Egyptian nation, had to be destroyed in the waters of the Red Sea. Once again, we see that the old must be destroyed in order for the new to come. And so too with the, the ministries of Christ from the earthly to the heavenly. In that, in that transition, the earthly had to be desecrated and destroyed in order for the new heavenly ministry to be inaugurated. And so we find... The final new beginning. This world is going to be destroyed first. Completely consumed by fire. To prepare the way for a new heavens and a new earth. Here's my point, friends. We see over and over again in the Bible that the old first must die 
in order for the new to live. And friends, as we look upon these examples in the Bible, this is to be an object lesson to teach us about God's plan and God's desire for our lives. And the reason why I emphasize this is because many people think, and they're under the deception, that they can serve God while still living in their old carnal flesh. Many people think that they can have a new beginning with Christ without doing away with the old life, the old man, and the old way of thinking. And whenever individuals try to serve God, when the old has not yet passed away, it is a miserable, terrible experience. Because people get defeated over and over again by Satan. And they get discouraged when they get defeated. And they feel like God is not there. And the the Christian thing, they feel like it's so hard. But friends, let me tell you, the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is what? You see, to serve God is easy. It is light if the old is truly passed away. But friends, if we are only 99% surrendered to Jesus, it is hard to serve God. Because we're always fighting with that 1% that is still alive. That 1% of the old that is still kicking and fighting is the Spirit of God. But friends, if Jesus is in the driver's seat, And we are in the passenger seat. It's easy, friends. All we have to do is let him be in control day by day and moment by moment. Can you say amen? And so we see that the old must first die in order for the new to truly live. You see, friends, we are slaves of our past. As you consider the life that you've lived, many times we're filled with overwhelming regret for the mistakes that we've made that we wish we could reverse. Perhaps words that we said that we wish we would have not said. Or actions we have done that we wish could be undone. Time that has been wasted and opportunities that have been missed. And we're constantly haunted by the question, what if, what if I didn't do that thing that I did in the past? What if I, I, I would have just said what I should have said when the opportunity came? What if? I did not get involved in this situation. What if I've made this choice a little bit differently? What if? And we're, we're plagued by the regret of promises that we did not keep. Some of these promises that we did not keep fill us with pain for regret. We wish we could go back in time to change it all. Friends, how many of you ever wish you could go back in time? Maybe you said something you wish you, should, you didn't say. You did something you wish you, did, you, you, you wouldn't have done. Or you left something undone that you wish you could go back and just fix it. Well, friends, our time will not permit us to go back to the past. The past, brothers and sisters, is past. But unfortunately, many individuals, even Christians, are allowing the past to keep them from living in the present and moving forward in the glorious future that God has for us. Now, friends, listen, we cannot change our past. But there's good news. Though we can't change our past, we can give our past to Jesus. Can you say amen? We can't change the mistakes of the past, friends. Time will not permit us, but we can give it to Jesus. And friends, when we give our past to Jesus, I want you to notice what he's going to do with it. Notice his promise in the book of Joel, chapter 2 and verse 25. Please write it down. Joel 2.25 is a, one of the most powerful promises in all the Bible. The Bible says in Joel 2.25, I will, what is that word right there? Restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Friends, do you understand what this verse is saying? 
is telling us about a God that has power to restore time. We have wasted, friends, I don't know about you, but I have wasted so much time in my life. And we wish we could go back and get the time that was wasted, but we can't. But God promises in his word that he's going to restore to us all the years, all those wasted years that the locust has eaten. Well, friends, what are these locusts? You see, in an agricultural society, they understood about the locusts. You see, one of the most devastating and disheartening things that could ever happen to a farmer in these days, and even today, is to be invaded by a swarm of locusts. Because locusts, brothers and sisters, can consume years of work in an instant. Years of progress, years of of time invested into crops and plants and agriculture. A swarm of locusts can devour it in moments. And friends, many times this is a fit description of our lives. Look upon the years that we've wasted on ourselves and in the world. And we wish we could get it back. But friends, the good news is that God promises to restore all the time and all the life that the enemy has stolen away from us. And let me tell you, friends, I've experienced the reality of this promise. God has restored the years that sin has eaten in my life. Let me tell you, friends, most of my life I lived for myself. Most of my life was wasted in serving sin, in serving Satan. I showed you this picture the other day of me just about 13 years ago. I was a little druggy, constantly getting high, running around here in the islands and and wasting my mind and wasting my brain cells and wasting my time and my life. You see, friends, I grew up in a godless household. Prayer was never offered in my home. The Bible was never read. The stories of Jesus was never shared. I grew up, my parents were never Christian. Growing up, I had no spiritual background and foundation. Growing up, I had no idea what was God or who was God. I was totally ignorant of the things of God. And as a result of not having a solid foundation, this is what my life was like. Chasing the world, looking for happiness in all the wrong places. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. I lived with my dad sometimes, then with my mom other times. They were separated in most of my life, and they were never married. And I was going back and forth. Surely this was not God's ideal. Friends, I was heading to hell. I was lost. I was a compulsive thief and liar and druggie, and most of my years were wasted on the world. But I'm so grateful, friends, that God was chasing after me, that God did not let me go. He did not leave me to destroy myself. The Lord got a hold of me because someone came and knocked on my door, and they gave me an invitation to a Bible prophecy seminar. Does that sound familiar? A seminar just like this. Is how the Lord saved me and rescued me. And I went to those meetings. This was the meetings here in Waianae. And during those meetings, the word of God was boldly proclaimed. And Jesus was lifted up. And my heart was drawn. I recognized through those meetings that the world could never satisfy. That only Jesus could. That only Jesus could fulfill the emptiness of my life. That Christ Jesus had something better. And so throughout those meetings, to make a long story short, I decided to let go of the cheap thrills of the world and grab hold of the gift that God was offering to me and his son, Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life, but also the gift of abundant life, fulfilled life, and a satisfactory life. And friends, even though I was messed up, even though I was destroying my mind, Even though I had some major issues, I'm so grateful that Jesus took me just as I was. But he didn't leave me as I was. 
He began a work of transformation in my life. Throughout those meetings, I gave my heart to Jesus, and shortly after the meeting, I was baptized in the Pacific Ocean. This was me, I was 16 years old, starting life over again, having a new beginning with Jesus. And friends, before I got baptized, the Lord had set me free from the life of addiction and the life of drugs, and He gave me a peace in surrender to Him. And so I was baptized as a symbol of a new beginning with Jesus. And friends, before I could live, I first had to die. It was impossible for me to serve God and serve the devil at the same time. And so in that baptism, it was a symbol of the death of the old life and the beginning of a brand new life. And friends, as I gave my life to Jesus, the Lord began to restore the years that the locusts had eaten. He first began to restore my burnt brain cells. As I started feasting and meditating upon the Word of God, you see, the Bible tells us that God's Word has creative power. God said, let there be light, and there was light. In other words, the very word that God speaks has the power in it to do exactly what it says. And as I filled my mind with the word of God, it began to restore all those burnt brain cells. How do I know? Because friends, when I was in, when I was in the world serving myself and doing drugs, I was going to Nanakuli High School, a public high school, and I had straight F's. And that doesn't stand for fantastic either. Failing every single class. You see, I was very slow of speech very slow in thinking. I'm naturally an introvert, very, very shy person. And I had straight ass waste in my mind. But when I gave my life to Jesus, he restored my mind. And to the point where having straight F's, I was able to graduate with straight A's by the grace of God. Restoring those burnt brain cells, friends. God was restoring the years that the locusts had eaten. And not only did he begin to restore, restore my mind, but he began to restore my relationships with my family. You see, my mom, I caused her so much pain. Uh, she, she had to pray for me so night after night. I caused her many tears. She was a single mom. I was living with her as the only child, causing her pain and sneaking out late at night and just doing crazy things, and she didn't know what to do for me. All she knew what to do was to pray. But friends, that was sufficient because God heard the prayers of my mom. And that's the reason why I'm standing before you here tonight. Parents, if you have children out there acting crazy in the world, causing you headache like I caused my mom headache, don't stop praying because God is at work even when we are sleeping. Can you say amen? And even if we can't see him working, he is working because he is more desperate to save our loved ones than we are in having them saved. Before you, I'm standing before you here tonight because my mom prayed for me and God heard those prayers. When I gave my life to Jesus, I won her trust, and our relationship was mended. Not only that, but God began to work on the heart of my mom when she found Jesus, so much so that, that she learned to love and, and to, to reconcile back with my, with my dad. And I told you before, after 16 years of living in brokenness and dysfunction and separation, after 16 years because of Jesus, my mom and dad actually got back together, and they actually got married for the first time. God was restoring the years that the locusts had eaten. He is a God of new beginnings. And then three years after they got married, and after 19 years of being the only child, baby brother comes upon the scene. 
same mom and same dad. It was an overwhelming surprise. And friends, I was, as I was going off to college is when he was born, it was a new beginning for my parents. My little brother, Micah boy. There he is. In fact, he's here tonight. Where's Micah at? He's at the children's program. But praise the Lord. Amen. You see, my name is Taj. It's an Indian name. I was named after the Taj Mahal. I'm not Indian, but when my mom was pregnant with me, she saw a poster of the Taj Mahal. She said, wow, that sounds nice, so here I am today. (laughs) It's a Hindu name, but his is a Bible name, Micah. You see the contrast. A new beginning, friends. God was restoring the years that the locusts had eaten. Not only that, but God helped me to find true love. It was because of Jesus that I found my wife, my beloved bride, my sweet Maui onion. <laughs> born and raised, or born in Fiji, raised here in Maui, growing up in Lahaina. I would have never found my wife if I did not find Jesus. Because my wife was hid in Christ. I had to find Christ before I could find her. And friends, if you want to find true love, find it in Jesus first. And only then can he entrust us with a perfect match with someone here in this world. You see, friends, God was restoring relationships. He was restoring my life. Not only that, but he restored uh, the, the purpose for which, I was, uh, for which I was created. You see, growing up not knowing who God was, I did not know that he had a plan for my life. And so I wasted many years, but when I found Jesus, I felt him calling me that, that I would one day preach his word. And I was in this church right here. Here's the picture. The church in Waianae. That I was invited to that prophecy seminar. And about 10 years before this picture was taken, I was the one sitting in the pews. And as the evangelist was preaching the word of God, it was as if he kept looking at me. He scanned the audience, but his eyes, for some reason, one night just kept falling on me. I'm sure he wasn't doing this intentionally. But I felt like God was singling me out. And I wasn't even converted yet. I was just, I was in the process. I was listening to the word of God. And it was having such profound impact on my life. And it was as if, as if God was saying to me, Taj, one day you're going to stand where that man is standing. One day you're going to be doing exactly what he is doing. And 10 years later, this picture was taken. I was standing at the very spot that that evangelist stood, doing the exact same thing that he was doing. God brought me full circle, and he renewed my sense of purpose in life in giving hope to people all around the world as we point them to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Oh, friends, I'm, I'm here to tell you that I've witnessed the power of Jesus' word and his word of prophecy bring restoration to thousands of people all around the world, Africa and Asia and Europe and the United States, everywhere, friends, that the word of God has power to change and give people a brand new sense of hope and assurance, a brand new beginning to let the past truly be past, to live in the present and move forward in the beautiful future that God has in store for us. Our God, friends, is a new beginning. And let me tell you, it does not matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going from this point on. It does not matter what your life is like tonight. God wants to give you a new beginning today. Let me just tell you one more story that's very meaningful to me. How I've seen that our God has the power to restore the years that the locust has, has eaten. It was in 2007 that I got the chance to do some meetings, this prophecy seminar in the city of San Francisco, California. And during that time, my grandparents were separated. They were married, but they were separated. You see, grandpa had done some things that broke grandma's heart. 
and grandma was bitter and would not forgive grandpa. And so at this time, grandma was here in Hawaii, and grandpa was actually in San Francisco living with one of of my aunties. And because it was close by, grandpa decided to come to the meetings. Not because he was interested in the Bible. He just wanted to hear his grandson stand up and talk in front of people. So he came the first night, and then he came the second night, then the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. And he ended up coming every single night. He even came on a night when we didn't even have a meeting. (laughs) He didn't realize it was our night off. He was addicted to the meetings. It was wonderful to see Grandpa coming and learning. And friends, I remember one night specifically. I was behind the pulpit preaching about the God of new beginnings. And how God can cleanse and wipe away the past and give us a brand new beginning in Jesus. And I gave an appeal and I gave an invitation to individuals who wanted to have this new beginning in baptism. And my grandpa was there. And I wasn't sure what the Lord was doing in his life. I wasn't sure if he was just there just casually listening or if he really wanted to know Jesus. When I gave that appeal, friends, it was so amazing. To see my own grandfather, the patriarch of the family, come stand up and walk down the aisle, come down to the front as he gave his life to Jesus. Can you say amen? This was the exact appeal, the picture, friends, when grandpa said, yes, I need a new beginning. And that grandfather that was there and held me when I was a little baby boy, I was there when I graduated from high school. He held me when I was young, but after those meetings were finished, I was able to hold him in my arms. In the waters of baptism as he had a new beginning with Jesus. I like to say, friends, that he held me when I was born, but I held him when he was born again. (laughs) Who would have thought, friends, that God would use the third generation to reach the first generation? But that's what Jesus can do, friends, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Our God is a God of new beginnings. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But the Lord Jesus can. Can you say amen? No one is too stuck in his ways that God can't get them out of that trap. He can do it, friends. I I witnessed the change in my grandfather's life. And friends, when he was baptized, his number one goal was to reconcile with grandma. But the next two years passed. And grandpa, no matter how many times he apologized and showed love, grandma would not believe that he was changed. Grandma still rubbed the past in his face. Grandma was a slave to the bitterness of the past. She was angry. She wasn't happy. She was in the bondage of bitterness. Finally, after a few years, the Lord opened the door for me to go back to Waianae to do those meetings in the same church that I was converted about 10 years before. And as I held meetings there, many of my friends came to the meetings. It was beautiful to to share the word of God with my own community. And and hundreds of people came to the meetings every single night. And 60 individuals made decisions for baptisms, for new beginnings in those meetings. I remember one night specifically preaching the word of God. And and by the way, as I back up, at this time, both grandma and grandpa were in Hawaii. And so because it was close and convenient, grandpa brought grandma to the meetings. (laughs) And she came. Not because she was interested in the Bible. She came because she was forced to come. <laughs> and she sat way in the back, the very last pew. And every night as I greeted people as they left, she came and I'd give her a big hug. Oh, Grandma, I'm so glad that you're here. My heart was so, I'm, I was rejoicing in my heart that Grandma was coming every single night. But as I gave her a hug, her face, it was, it was stone cold. 
There was no emotion. It was like she was there physically, but she did not want to be there. She was a slave to the past. And I would go home and I'd pray on my knees, pleading for her soul every single night. And she would come night after night, and it seemed like nothing was, was, was hitting her heart, that nothing was affecting her. And finally, one night, I talked about the God of new beginnings, the God that wants to cleanse our past and give us a brand new start in baptism. And I made a call, and as I mentioned, over 60 people came to the altar saying, yes, I need to start over again. And as people came, my heart was thrilled until I saw my grandma way in the back on the last pew. And she was just sitting there. She wouldn't budge. She wouldn't move. And yes, I was happy for all these, but in my heart and mind, I was saying to God, God, what about my own flesh and blood? What about my own grandmother? Please, Lord, please convict her. Please give her courage. In my heart, I'm praying while I'm preaching and appealing, and people continue to come, but she would not move, and my heart was broken until I saw the Lord break through. And way in the back, I saw grandma stand up. And she began to walk down the aisle like a wife walking down to meet her husband. She began to walk down the aisle. She came to the altar. and She finally let God free her from her past. Give her the ability to forgive and to move forward. And after those meetings, I had the privilege of holding my own grandmother in the pool of baptism as she had a new beginning with Jesus. Can you say amen? And around this time was my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. And so because the Lord was working in their lives as individuals and and giving them the ability to let the past truly be past for their 50th wedding anniversary, guess what they wanted to do? They wanted to renew their vows. And who do you suppose they asked to help with that? Friends, I had the privilege of renewing the vows of my own grandparents in front of my whole family. Our God is in the business of restoration. Is yours a broken home? Is yours a broken marriage? Has the devil stripped away the love and respect that once was there? Tonight, He wants to restore it. Tonight, He wants our past to be past. Tonight is a night of new beginnings with Jesus. And tonight is your night. Notice what God has promised to us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, the Bible tells us, redeeming the time, understanding what the will of the Lord is, the Bible says that we can redeem the time. Do you know what that means? That means we can get back the time that has been wasted. Friends, I've wasted many and most of the years of my life have been wasted, but God has promised that we can redeem it. We can get it back. And the way that we can redeem the time is by understanding what God's will is right now. Because as we understand the will of God and move forward in his will, it's only then that we redeem the time. It's only then that God begins to restore the years that the locust has eaten. And so friends, I want to redeem the time. How about you? I want all those wasted years to be restored. How about you? I want the past truly to be past, and I want to move forward in the glorious future God has for me. And so if we want to experience these things, then we need to know and do the will of God. Friends, how many of you want to know the will of God? What exactly is God's will? Notice what the Bible says as we continue in our study tonight. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4. Write it down. 
The Bible says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Who will, what is God's will? Who will have, how many? All men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the, friends, what is God's will? For us to come into the knowledge of the truth. And friends, as we understand that truth, it sets us free from the past. It brings salvation, sanctification, satisfaction, and security in Jesus Christ. This is God's will to lead us into the knowledge, more than just head knowledge, but a heart experience with the truth so that we might be saved. This is God's will. And friends, as we understand and do God's will, it's then that our past can be redeemed. It's then that our present will make sense. And it's only then that our future will be secure in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? And so here's the next question. If it's God's will for us to be saved, then how is man saved? In other words, what choice does man have to make? Because you see, friends, God does not predestine some to be saved and some to be lost. That teaching is not found in the Bible. God wants all of us to be saved. But friends, the fact of the matter is, is that not all will choose to be saved. We choose, we are free to choose our own destiny. And many will not allow God's will to be done in their lives. Many people will not accept the salvation of Christ. And so the question we need to ask then is how is man saved? In other words, what choice must we make in order for God's will to be fulfilled in our lives? How is a man saved? Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 5 as we go a little bit deeper tonight. John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of what? Help me, friends. Of what? Water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Friends, if we want to enter into the kingdom of God and be saved, Bible makes it clear that we must be born how? Again. In other words, when we're born, that's a beginning. But if we want to be saved, we need a new beginning. We need to be born again of what two things? Number one, water and of the... These two things are not so much in order because they go hand in hand. You see, to be born of the Spirit is an inward experience that we need to have every single day. It's letting the Holy Spirit reign in our lives to cleanse us of our past and give us power for the present. This is what it means to be born of the Spirit. It's an inward experience. To be born of the water is an outward expression of the inward experience, a public declaration to others that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to finish the work that He started in our lives. And friends, according to the words of Jesus, both the water and spirit baptism is essential in order for us to be saved in God's kingdom. You see, friends, being born of the Spirit, that's the inward experience that cannot be seen by human eye. Being born of the water is the outward expression that is seen by the human eye as a witness to all the world. And so to have a new beginning, we must be born again inwardly as well as outwardly. And friends, only new people who had a new beginning will enter into the new kingdom of God. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. These are people that are still living the old life of sin. They're not going to be saved, friends, despite what they profess with their mouth. Their lives speak so plainly that they're in a lost condition. And the Bible tells us, it continues in the next verse, and such, what is that word right there? 
were some of you. Friends, that word were is in the past tense. It says, and such were some of you. But you were what? Wash. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, friends, being born of the Spirit means that we're washed, justified, and sanctified. Cleansing of the past. Power for the present. And victory in the future. Friends, this is what we used to be. We used to be terrible, rotten sinners, but we don't have to be like that anymore because our God is a God of new beginnings. He washes us in the fountain of his blood. He fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, sets us apart for holiness, making us just like Jesus. In fact, notice the experience of the one that is in Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Let's read this together, shall we? The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many things? You see, in order for the new to come, the old must first die. The old must be destroyed and discarded. You see, friends, we all want to live. But in order to live, we first must die. If we do not die to the past, we will never truly live. And so we're living to die, but we need to die to live. We're living to die because of sin. Everyone is going to die. We're living only to die one day. But in order for us to truly live, we first must die. The old must be discarded and destroyed. And friends, if we do, if we let the Lord take the past away, notice what he does in the present. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. See, we must be in Christ in order to have condemnation go away, who walk not after the what? Flesh, but after the what? You see, to be born of the Spirit means that the flesh, the old man, the old life of sin has passed away. That old life is dead. You see, the cutting away of the flesh in circumcision was a symbol of what God wanted to do in the hearts of the people to cut away the old life, the old man of sin away. And friends, when the old is gone, no condemnation is in those who are in Christ Jesus. God removes the condemnation of the past. And friends, the next question is this. How exactly do we die then? In order, in order to get rid of the condemnation, the old man that has sinned must die. And so how do we die to our past? Notice what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And friends, if you're enjoying the word of God, would you please say amen? It says, I am what? Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives where? In me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the, the Apostle Paul writes that we must be crucified with Christ in order for Christ to live in us. You see, just as the, Jesus died and was buried and rose again, we as individuals need to enter into that same experience being crucified with Jesus. Letting self and our selfish desires perish on the cross. And as he was buried, the old life must be buried in the grave. And as he rose again, so too we will rise in a brand new life. You see, this is an inward experience that we need to have every single day. It's a, what kind of experience? That we need to have how often? Every day we must die to self and live to Christ. It's an inward experience. The apostle said, I die daily. In other words, we can't depend on a decision that we made way back in 1959 and say we're covered because when I first accepted Christ way back then, 
I'm never going to be lost. Well, friends, the apostle, the Bible tells us that we need to have this experience every single day. The, the Lord Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a day-by-day experience. We can't worry about, the, about tomorrow, and we can't let the past hold us back. It's day by day with sweet Jesus. To live eternally, we first must die internally. We must die how? It's an inward experience that we need daily. And so the next question is, what is the outward expression of this inward experience? It's water baptism, friends. Notice in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, write it down. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a what kind of life? In newness of life. You see, friends, baptism is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's death to the old sinful way of life, discarding of the old. It's the burial of the, of the past, like a funeral service. And it's a resurrection to a brand new life. It's a new birth, friends. It's like a baby being born into this world. As that person that comes up out of the water takes its first breath, they are now born again, a brand new beginning. And friends, baptism is also like a wedding ceremony. It's not just a funeral and a birthday, but it's also a wedding. You see, friends, when, uh, when a man and a woman love each other and they decide that they want to spend the rest of their lives together, they have a wedding. Isn't that right? And what exactly is a wedding? A wedding is an outward ceremony, an outward expression of an inward experience and commitment to that person. It's basically saying to the world, I love this person. I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. And so I want to exchange vows publicly because, friends, I'm not ashamed about this person I'm getting married to. I love this person more than anything, anyone else, and I choose her above everyone else in this world, and I'm not ashamed of it. I want to declare my love to the world. You see, that wedding ceremony is just an outward expression of the inward experience of commitment and love to a person, and so too is baptism. It's a public service telling the world that you're committed to Jesus. You want to spend the rest of your life with Jesus, that you're, you're done, you're finished with flirting around with Satan. You're done having other lovers in this world that you've divorced the old man and you found the new man. You found Jesus Christ and he is everything to you and you're not ashamed of your love. You want to declare it to the world. You want all to know, especially Satan, I'm done with you. I found a new husband, a faithful husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? You see, friends, just as a wife takes upon herself the name of her husband, so too the one that is baptized now takes upon themselves the name of Christ. This is how one becomes a Christian, taking the name of Christ upon themselves. Notice in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on who? Put on Christ. In other words, you're not living for yourself anymore. Christ is now living in you and through you. It is a brand new beginning. There's a light in the valley There's a light on a distant shore A light on the mountain It's the light that'll guide you home It shines in the darkness It speaks through the word Light of forgiveness light of the world 
I was lost in a valley I was lost on a raging sea Lost on the mountain Until the light shone on me Let me out of the darkness Back to the shore To the top of the mountain To be lost no the light of redemption It's the light of a grander plan The light of forgiveness Yeah, the light is the Son of Man Shining in the darkness Shining in the night Light is the way He's the truth and the light So won't you join with me, brother you take me by the hand and we'll follow together till we get to the promised land join with me sister sing my song we'll follow together Till this journey's done Shining in the darkness Shining in the darkness Speaking through the world Speaking through the world Light of forgiveness Light of the world Light of the world Light of the world Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are the light of the world. You're the light of the universe. And we thank you, Lord, for stepping out into the darkness of our lives to bring the light. Tonight, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to see the light more clearly. Help us not only to see it, but give us a willingness to walk in it, to receive it into our souls, that that light, the light of your truth and the light of your love may work about a change and transformation in our lives. We pray this prayer in your precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen.